Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I'm your host, Nick Jenkins. Today, I am joined by three friends. First, Tuna. Hello. Amy Roberts. Hi. And Matthew Gatos. Hello. And uh, today, we are all back from VidCon, where I feel like I'm getting the big VidCon plague. My voice is starting to go. Uh-oh. Um, be nice and raspy for this be, one. Yeah. Ooh. Venus flytrap. What is that? Why did you say those words? <laughs> That's uh, from WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, the most topical. Yeah. <laughs> we all had, know it. We had, all love it. You had Dr. Johnny Fever and you had Venus Flytrap. That was, oh, that's a DJ name. They're two DJ names, yeah. Gotcha. One of those um, is a little better than the other. <laughs> Dr. Johnny Fever. Yeah, yeah, that's much better than Venus Flytrap. Oh, he was God. in the 70s. Howard Hessman was great in that mm. show. Anyway, beside the point, uh, Amy was sick at VidCon. Good job. Oh, no. Patient zero, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Tuna, are you sick? No. Uh, me I've neither. been fine, yeah. We're next. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm, I may hold it off. It may just be Friday right. tired me. We'll mm. see. We'll see what happens. Yes. But uh, I think well, hopefully we all had a decent, at least a decent VidCon. I had a really good VidCon. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you good. remember yours? Yeah. How much? How many drugs were you on? <laughs> Just cough drops. Okay. Oh, oh, well done. So, That's not yeah. even a drug. No, no. kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna joke not enough, but it sounds like I wasn't gonna make a joke. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Shit. Good. We all had a good VidCon. Yeah. 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 So far, so two of us, no sickness. Yeah. Well, three of us. I'm not sick yet. Yeah. Not yet. And two, I didn't get it there. That's true. I brought she it brought there. It. Oh. <laughs> so anyone out there who's listening who got sick at VidCon. Sorry. Yeah. Blame Amy. I just remember walking up to you and being like, hey, Amy, haven't seen you yet. Hi, I'm sick. <laughs> okay. Uh, so today we're talking about a very bizarre movie. Yeah. Uh, and I think we all have a veritable cornucopia of opinions about it. So I'm excited to talk about it. This is the shit. The date just left my brain. 74. Yes, I did it. I did it. You guys. Congrats. The 1974 sci-fi epic. Mm. So- <laughs> I thought you meant today's date. And I was like, 74 is nothing. July 74th. <laughs> It was a Tuesday. <laughs> uh, the, the, the 1974 sci-fi epic Zardoz, starring the, the, the great Charlotte Rampling and the sometimes serviceable Sean Connery. <laughs> I have a theory that Sean Connery is actually not a good actor. Have you seen The Rock? Yes. Because <laughs> he's great in that, is what I'm saying. I, I think he's like Harrison Ford. Mm. where Harrison Ford is really good at one thing. And then when he tries to go outside of that thing, it's just nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Sean Connery is that. Yeah. There's a lot of boring white dude actors who can play themselves really well. Yeah. <laughs> and if they try anything else, you're like, yeah, maybe just stay in your lane. <laughs> John Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> Shots, Shots fired. fired. Oh, damn. I mean, Jinx. what's, what's he going to do? I mean, just not much. Tweet but angrily about me. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure he's an avid listener. Uh, the, 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 the I cannot wait to do the 60 second plot dump of this thing because holy shit, you guys. 
this is going to be fun. Um, but yeah, 1974, really weird sci-fi shot by the same person who shot 2001, a space odyssey. <laughs> Was it really? Yeah. Jeffrey Unsworth. <laughs> okay. That, oh man. All and right. like he came up with some really cool techniques for shooting this film. Yeah, but yeah, that, that this, also the like, cinematography was great. But also shows you how crucial Kubrick is uh-huh. to his movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into agreeing or disagreeing on this movie, let's do our sixty second plot dump, and that person's going to be Matt. Uh, yes, thanks. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> There's two. I don't know. I have nothing. No, no, I have no. nothing. This is going to be the worst plot dump. It's going to take five <laughs> seconds. I guarantee you, I'm not going to say anything. The excellent. Yeah. I feel like it'll be filled in as we talk, probably, but yeah. hopefully. Let's yeah. see. Yeah. All right. You're, you're looking at Wikipedia? Yes. That's not fair. Well, you're going to get, like, you're going to get Sean Connery. 2293 and killing. Wow, Those are the you, three words I will give you if I don't have some you plot synopsis in front of me. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. That, for some reason, it's the one. Part. It's like one of the few notes I took. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, like I took I very few notes. I need to remember that. And I was like 2290. Well, I I like when like, like 80s, 70s movies uh, set it in like 2018, and now we watch it now. That was the original like, thing. Mm-hmm. He was originally going to set it in like 1980. Yeah. <laughs> he, was gonna, he was just going to go like five years in the future. Well, I like the trailer that was like beyond. Beyond 1974, beyond 2001. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just a slight dig at the movie that the guy also shot. Um, Oh, is that why? I thought it was just like arbitrarily chosen. No, I think it's a dig at 2001. There's a poster that That says like beyond Star Wars or something like that too. Like there's a. (laughs) Well, this would have been way before Star Wars though. Oh yeah, you're right. Maybe that was a review I read. There were some reviews of this defending it against some of the best movies ever. Look, I have some defenses of this movie, but let's do oh, our wait. plot dump here. Uh, right. Okay. Good luck. 60 seconds. Zardoz in three, two, one. All right. We start off in the land of the Brutals, which is where Sean Connery's character Zed lives, uh, wearing their red bikinis, and they see their god Zardoz, a giant head coming from the sky. And he tells them that guns are good, and here's some more guns, and he vomits guns out to them and tells them that the penis is evil and, like, reproducing is evil and you shouldn't do it. That's pretty much what we get on that part of the movie, surprisingly. (laughs) Then Sean Connery's character sneaks into the giant godhead, floats back to where it came from. uh, Kills the false god. In the middle of that, he kills the false god who was driving the big giant head and (laughs) ends up at this place where the Eternals live, which is a bunch of rich hippies living in a commune kind of thing. And apparently they can't die, but some of them really want to. They don't know what this guy's all about, so they try to examine him, do some science on him. There's a lot of unnecessary nipples, and it turns out that him coming there was not a mistake. It was actually (laughs) planned the whole time by a, a guy named Friend. And that's honestly about all I got out of this movie. I would say the only thing to add what to that leave out? would be just the very end, which is, yeah, he's like, he, he's oh, yeah. like an ubermensch, right? Like, like he is a Superman. Yeah. yeah. So he's, there's a, there's a lot in this movie is about he? like evolution. Well, and that's like, what they tell him. They keep telling him he's a mutant, but they don't explain why or what that means. Like what kind, they're like, you're a mutant. And he's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm Basically, like, okay. He has, he has been bred to kill. He and his other brutals have been bred only to kill. So they are stronger and faster and more brutal than all these other people. Um, and then, yes, <laughs> the, the very end, he ends up with Consuela, 
who is Charlotte woman, Rampling, who is a woman who hates him throughout the majority of the movie. Uh, and of course, this is a lot of old movies are just like, you two are pretty. You have sex now. Um, well, one of them was pretty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Sean Connery's like 70s man pretty. No. I don't even think so, man. I think they did a disservice to Sean Connery. Yeah, he All looks right. great in the James Bond movie. Like, he That's looks, true. He, you know, but this... He looked great in The Rock, for God's sakes. Like, That's he, true. He, the hair did not help him He's in this movie. He's got a lot of scraggly hair and a scraggly mustache. He but the a ending, giant diaper. The giant, giant diaper. He does have a giant red diaper. Uh, <laughs> but the ending of this movie that Nick was alluding to is that those two get together, they go to a cave yeah. and chill out for apparently 100 years uh-huh. because they sit down... And through this weird time-lapse, awful old age makeup effect thing, they're sitting there. Suddenly, she's pregnant. Oh, no, she's pregnant before that. Suddenly, there's a baby. And then that baby ages into a toddler. And then a teenager. And then a full-grown man. The full-grown man stands up, turns to his mother and father, and says, like, I'm leaving. And walks out of the cave. And then they sit there. And they age until they look like they're 11 D. And then they just die, and then they turn into skeletons. <laughs> holding and the skeletons hands. are still sitting there holding hands then, with their hair attached to their skulls. <laughs> yep. And and then they disappear. And then they, yeah. And then they also just. <laughs> My and favorite though is her old lady makeup. Her four they added wow, like yeah. It got so bad. Like his got like his was almost believably old. She her, was like conehead. At one point, hers got like. I don't know, like a prune, just like on her face. <laughs> and they added so, I don't know. Did you not notice that? They added so much forehead to her. When Honestly, she this might've been one of the points where I was looking at Twitter and didn't realize I was looking at Twitter. <laughs> like this movie bored me at times. And that was one of those moments where I'm like, oh, for God's yeah. sakes. And that, that's the main reason that like, Honestly, I skipped an hour of the movie in my description just now. Yeah. And that is mostly because not much happens aside from a lot of weird. They're in this weird room and his DNA is being projected on the wall and they're surrounded by naked people. And then there's this other room they go into where they're trying to give him an erection to see what arouses him. And they show him a woman washing her boobs. That doesn't do it. They show him two women mud wrestling. That doesn't do it. So they turn off the screen and then he stares at Consuela and suddenly erection we assume they all look down and yeah. laugh and yeah. laugh at Consuela and yeah yeah they're like oh Consuela's the one who finally does it huh yes the only good looking person in this room yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs> look this this movie has uh, there's a lot happening here with this movie that we need to talk about okay the First of all, it's John Borman. John Borman wrote and directed this. Uh, John Borman is most known for Deliverance and um, Excalibur. So he directed those two films. I don't really care for Excalibur, but a lot of people I know really like it. I think it's one of the first big fantasy movies. Uh, he was originally, before this, was originally supposed to do Lord of the Rings. Um, and it just, everything fell apart, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you, you got to imagine, like the ones in the two thousands probably would not have happened, right? If there had been these like seventies, eighties versions. I mean, there was that cartoon. Of yeah, the, the Bakshi one. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, but this was going to be the live that, action one. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, I'm just saying been... that's like too big a property not to double dip into. I'm waiting for the remakes, the reboots to come out here. No, they're still digging into the history. Yeah. Amazon's going to do a TV whole... series. Oh, okay. Yeah, this yeah. produced by Peter Jackson. Why? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Anyway, he he made Deliverance. Deliverance, I think, is an incredible film. Like it, it's if you ever watch it, if you ever want to be unsettled, Deliverance. Whew, 
Um, <laughs> if you ever just want to be unsettled, <laughs> I, sometimes you want that out of a horror movie. You want to watch something that really unsettles you and makes you. And that's what that movie is. It is a. It's it's sort of masquerading as an adventure film, but it is a horror film. Zardoz unsettled me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to be unsettled by. Man in this knows film. how to unsettle I'm people. Very unsettled. Yeah. So I don't know, the problem is I don't think this one was aiming to be unsettling. <laughs> really? I think. I, I think yeah. it was a little. Like, Maybe some points. Yeah, certain scenes, but some of the scenes that were very unsettling, I don't think were meant to be unsettling. <laughs> sure. Mostly the multiple rape scenes <sighs> that portray our hero as a man of brute force. Yeah. Right. Doing things in the name of God. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. No, I mean, so, I feel like we covered it. We're good enough. <laughs> yeah. to repeat those things. That's probably fair. Yeah. Um, so he made Deliverance. Deliverance was a massive hit. $2 million budget. It made like $46 million. Um, and in, that was like 1971, for God's sakes. So after that, he gets the green light to kind of do whatever he wants. He'd been working in documentary before that. Uh, he, you know, he's a very experienced director. And the only real huge staple of science fiction filmmaking at that time would have been 2001 A Space Odyssey, which came out in 69. So we hadn't had Star Wars yet to sort of crack the thing open and 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 create it as as as, you know, really accessible entertainment. You know, we did a few things before that, but nothing, nothing that level. So in fairness, he didn't have a blueprint. He was trying to create something new. And something different. And he did. There is, I can say there is nothing else like Zardoz. (laughs) I've never seen anything like Zardoz. I can't say that Zardoz, this is like Zardoz, only more so. Like, this is the pinnacle of (laughs) Zardozonium-ness. Like, this is, this is it. So, it did well. Jeffrey Unsworth, wonderful cinematographer, also shot um, the Superman 1978 movie, um, you, you know, really did some good work in here. Some of the effects for being only a two point five million dollar film, like some of the floating head effect, not the guy at the beginning. We'll talk about him in a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot to mention him in my recap. <laughs> um, no, there was a uh, the, the Zardoz appears as a giant stone head. Yeah, Olmec. Mm-hmm. Olmec. Yeah, that's what I have written well, down in my notes, too. So we're referencing I'm not directly referencing the Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple. Okay. O- Olmec is also just like a large stone yeah. figurehead. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yes, there is also, I thought of Legends of the Hidden Temple multiple times during this movie. Right. <laughs> but some of that moving around and through the haze, like for 1974, is really mm-hmm. quite convincing. Some like, of the projection mm-hmm. stuff was pretty cool. Yeah. It was, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. I yeah. loved all the projection yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was it totally. felt like you should watch this back to back with like the Apple. Ooh. Because just like the the visual styles of both films feels hmm. like tied together. It's a re, it's. I read a review where somebody said it's really speaking from the zeitgeist, and I agree with that. Like this mm-hmm. is you can peg what year this was made. Yeah, like, pretty easily. That thing of like you have two thousand one and Star Wars, which like you look at, and they're both seventies movies. There's things you can look at and go like, oh, that's pretty seventies. But on the whole. They are not like of the era. No, they they transcend. The yes. only thing holding those back in in terms of this is like your the abilities of filmmaking at the time. Yeah, that which even thankfully George Lucas went back and fixed. Uh, <laughs> get out! <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch! Yeah, only Kubrick was alive to fix yeah. all those mistakes in 2001. Oh, they were gonna do that. They were oh, going no. to do what? so in two. Th- no, it would have been like 98. So it was right, th- right at the time that Lucas had mm-hmm. redone and had massive success with doing the special editions. Oh, no. There was a 
they were going to redo all of the model work in 2001 with CG. Oh, no. That'd no. be so bad. Yeah, what? And then the E.T. <laughs> remake yes, came out. The re-release of that Re-release, not remake. The re-release where they took away all the guns. And put in walkie-talkies. Ro- walkie <laughs> um, and there was such a pushback that they dropped it. They were yeah. like, nah, we, we don't think that this is worth doing. Which Spielberg even has admitted to that. And all ne- like the current releases of E.T. either come with both versions or just the original version. Yeah. Oh, nice. And I'm a big fan of cleaning things up. Like I'm a big fan of going in and restoring the negative and doing mm-hmm. a new color pass as long as it is true to the original like that. I'm I'm a big fan right. of that because it's restoration and keeping it. Uh, preserving it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I'm also not a fan of colorization. Like get, get, as, as uh, or, Orson Welles once said, keep Ted Turner and his goddamn Crayolas away from my films. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, the, it, it is definitely a picture of its time. Uh, Sean Connery was riding low at this point because he'd come off of, I think the worst performing bond movie. Mm. And so they got him at like a f- fairly minuscule amount for what he should have been commanding, but it was still like half of the movie's budget. <laughs> no, it wasn't half. It was $200,000, um, which is a steal. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, so they got, you know, got that, made it work. There are a lot of things that I want to talk about, but really I want to talk about initial impressions. What were you expecting out of this versus what you got? That's my big thing. Like, okay. that's what I want to know. So Tuna, let's start with you. I don't know really what expectations I had. It, I thought it was probably going to be more of an action-y kind of movie, like something like I would expect to see Sean Connery in, like a Bond type of movie. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Yeah, or something like that, like maybe a little weird, because the only the only reference for this I've ever had is that image of him <laughs> standing there. Like, with his little pistol. With his little pistol, yeah. And it was like, okay, that's I have no idea what context that might be. I didn't realize he was going to be in that for like basically the whole movie <laughs> no at the end he gets slightly more clothed right he also wears a wedding dress. yeah dude that was great they do yeah i love that yeah so i went in and like at first it was like oh yeah this is like super cheesy 70s kind of thing and then as it went on i got more and more into it no and Tuna, like, no oh pull yeah up, pull up pull up no because it was like it it just felt like early on in the movie, I was like, man, this feels like a Monty Python sketch only without any of the jokes. Like, I was going like to say exactly the same thing. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of these like subtle like, no, no, oh, they're going. And the longer it stayed in that world, like there's only been a few movies where I've had this experience. Uh, 12 Monkeys is the other one that really sticks out in my mind. Monty Python. Yeah, where it's like it starts out and they're like, okay, all right. And then by partway through the movie, I'm like, holy shit, I feel high. Like, I feel (laughs) like I'm on drugs because this is just so weird. And it's like messing with my brain in a way that I'm like, I'm not sure if this is the movie being weird or if I'm just (laughs) missing something or like. And then like as that washed over me by the end, like, I mean, by three quarters of the way through it, I was like 100 percent on board. And, like, the last little bit was all right, but could have gone a little quicker. But, like, there's the whole mystery thing. And, like, as the mystery was unfolding, I was more and more into it. And I'm like, all right, I <laughs> love has this. Questions. What is the mystery? I just, like, what the F is going on? Like, as everything unfolds, is like, oh, here are these, like, watching the movie. They never yeah, answer yeah. it, though. No, they do, but they it try. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 
just like wait, learning wait, everything guys, going from hey here's let's like let ha- let's let tuna explain <laughs> to us one what the mystery is and yeah. two what is the resolution of the mystery yeah the mystery to me is like what the f is up with this like weird head that is giving Sean Connery orders and he breaks in and it's like simultaneously figuring out what Sean Connery knows, like what his purpose for being there is and why, as he's figuring out like what everything was going on, sort of like figuring out what he uh, already knew, but had not explained like why he stowed away on the Godhead. Yeah. Like getting through that. And it's like, Oh, okay. I'm starting to figure out what his motivations are. And then simultaneously figuring out like, Oh, what are all of these like political actions going on in this weird future dystopian utopian society thing? But what is the resolution? The resolution is that everybody dies. Like it all sucks, man. But I don't like, know. See, this is that. No, I'm saying the resolution my... of, so the mystery aspect is that like at the beginning Sean Connery's character stows away in the head and we just think this is like a random act of like oh he wanted to see where the god went so he decided to stow away later on in the movie we find out that the character of friend and the character of sharpie beard as we're going to call him (laughs) uh, were like working together with Sean Connery on that plot and like Right, no, 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 no. he was he was oblivious to it all. He, no, yeah, yeah, that was the whole point. He had no idea what was going on. I thought he was totally in on it because they're like so congratulatory together at that party scene or whatever like that, where they're like like at the very end, right before they start killing everybody. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was uh, uh, what's his name, Arthur. Sharpie face. Yeah, Sharpie yeah, face. Sharpie face. Yes. Yeah, he had like planned all of that to entice Sean is- Connery to come in and kill everybody. Kind because they were running okay. into like the apathetics were starting to be like that was a thing that was right. spreading and they didn't know how to solve that which hey turns out you just need to see Sean Connery in a bikini and that gets you real excited and, well, and taste, taste his, his sweat, sweat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah what a weird fucking movie they lick his sweat yeah. like and then it's like watching it. a Salvador Dali painting <laughs> like that's what I love about this movie it's just weird and surreal and just this like it's absurd. A lot of times when I'm watching like sci-fi or fantasy kind of stuff, it's just sort of a like, oh, here's like our modern tale set in these like worlds that are like basically like ours, but a little different. And right. this one is just this sort of weird, like even the way that they block the actors moving around the first time that he's in their world and May and um, uh, Consuela. Consuela are having the conversation about what to do with him. They're doing these weird like passes back and forth behind each other. And the camera is like selecting which person to follow and all that. Like it's just like weirdly choreographed and off putting and disconcerting, but it all felt so deliberate that I just, I enjoyed it. It It felt like an art house film that was directed by somebody who was a little bit drunk. (laughs) Well, (laughs) <laughs> um, it felt like definitely something I would watch, uh, uh, like a, a fellow student make in film school, oh, and this go is... like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I would. I, I want to side with Tuna here because I uh, John Borman is anything but not deliberate. Like he is deliberate, and so everything in this film is very deliberate. the The question is, does it work for you? It does. Yeah, Amy. What were yeah. you expecting? Less so. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, based on the trailer, so I didn't really know anything about Zardos. I watched. You just put trailer. your name on the the. I did. Put me in this movie. It sounded fun. Uh, 
so I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, this is going to be bonkers. I right. love bonkers. That's great. Yeah. And then and then watching it, it, it was bonkers, but I just found it like pretty boring most of the time. Um, I just, I didn't really know what was going on. Um, I had a lot of questions. Most of my notes are just like, what is happening? What, mm-hmm. what is this? Um, and I, I did enjoy like a couple of moments, like when they, when they did profess that they loved each other, I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> Since when? Mm-hmm. Um, you hated him. Yeah. And then they were just like, yeah, we love each other. Right. And they're like, yeah, we do. We have sure. the whole time. <laughs> I did not pick up on. We're it. both been both playing hard to get. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I feel. Yeah, I feel like I didn't really have a ton of expectations. Um, well, no, I thought it was going to be fun and bonkers, and I feel like it, I was a little bit <laughs> let down. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, I the the trailer especially, but also I feel like. I don't know about you guys, but like I've I've heard about this movie for a long time before I saw it. I feel like I. Yeah. And so its reputation is such that it makes me feel like it should be something to behold, like the room. Like Mm -hmm. when you watch the room, that is bonkers. And like there's no Mm -hmm. dead moments. It's so fun. It's so fun. And you're just constantly going, oh, what the? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I don't (laughs) even think this would be greatly improved by a group watch. Like, I think they're so, it's very random and boring that I don't necessarily think watching this, like, with you guys would have really yeah. added to the movie Definitely not, because I would have been there like, oh, wow, <laughs> I love it. I just, I, I, I would have found this uncomfortable to watch with people. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of boobs. Well, it's that and, and, and the rape. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, I'm just like, ugh. Glad I'm somewhere by myself. Yeah, <laughs> this is un- I'm unhappy. Yeah, no, I like there are certain scenes where I like checked to make sure the blinds were closed and my neighbors couldn't like see what I was watching. <laughs> I mean, I've watched many movies that have far much, far more nudity and far more sex and and even like you know, girl with a dragon tattoo, far more rape. Like, so it's not something that I think can't be in a movie, but it the way it's handled in here was upsetting to me in a way that I don't think it, the movie was trying to be upsetting. There's a rape no. sequence in uh, Deliverance that is frightening and terrifying and is su- very clearly supposed to be that way. It is supposed to make you be very scared and 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 feel empathy for a character. Like it is, it, it, it has a purpose there that I still don't understand exactly the purpose of the rape scene we see twice Mm-hmm. From different perspectives, basically, like, well, no, show that again. And the 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 only purpose I can get out of it is kind of what Matt was alluding to: is it felt like it was trying to show us that he's just he's a take charge, take whatever he wants kind of guy. Well, it was just like so. a character trait that they like casually dropped in that they're like, let's look at your life and see who you were, and then, like they show this scene that we already seen once, mm-hmm. and he's like, I took her in the name of Zardoz. Yeah, it was just like, here's a brutal being brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys see the guy get run over by the horse? 
No. What? It was amazing. Was it on the beach scene? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, man. The, so they're on a beach. This is where the rape happens. This is why my brain went there. But they're they're on a beach riding horses. Sean Connery and his other brutals or exterminators or whatever they're called. Mm. They, they're they riding horses and shooting guns. And I feel sorry for those horses because, holy crap, that must have been terrifying. I feel sorry for those actors who had to pretend they were being actually shot at. Because some of those guys are, like, riding the horses and they're just, like, flailing the gun around. And, like, they pull the trigger and a guy falls down but I'm like that gun was nowhere near being aimed at that extra right now one of those guys falls down in front of the oh, horse no and like oh, no. it looks like he gets trampled now maybe he rolled underneath it and it was it's probably nothing mm-hmm. bad happened otherwise it wouldn't be in the movie I'm right. you know but <laughs> Amy is not so sure I'm not yeah. so sure but it was like I I just was watching and I'm like I don't, I don't want this to move oh my god and then there was I wanted to move on again but like yeah right. there's a hell there were two incredible what I'll call stunts the, the, that one which I don't think was on purpose <laughs> um, and the other one is where Sean Connery is is skirting down like he's sliding down oh, a hill. Yeah. Was that actually him? I, was I don't know. I feel was like that? it couldn't have been. I don't know what that was. He, he was like, trying to get away quickly. I know, but he like, I don't know how he did it. I don't know how that stuntman <laughs> like did it. He slides down or, like bare feet first down the side of a like mountain. And like bounces on his <laughs> yeah. butt yeah. Like, and oh, just keeps yeah. going. I was, yeah. <laughs> that was thrilling. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, and again, I was kind of like, Jesus, was that planned? Like, it, it <laughs> right. looked like the, the director was just like, no, follow him down, follow him down. That's why I feel like that is like, eh, go down the hill. And it's like, but how? It's like, just do it. And that's <laughs> why I feel like a lot of the like random nudity was, he was like, well, open your shirt. And it's like, why? It's like, open your shirt. And it's like, okay. Because like, I'm the director. Yeah. Like there's lots of like women wearing shirts that are barely covering anything and then randomly somebody like brushes past them and it's just, oh, okay, your nipple's out now. Great. Well, there's that mm-hmm. s- there's a point at which there's been a struggle and Charlotte Rampling stands yeah. up and her shirt is pulled up too high and d- nobody she doesn't make any move to cover herself. No. She's just standing there talking at and that. And that's the thing is like, like in this society they've sort of set up is like nudity is just like all over the place. It's kind of commonplace. But also like Clearly, as movie watchers, we get why you're doing this. Like, you're just like, yeah, show some more boobs. I mean, I I don't know about that. I honestly don't know. John Borman is an... If you read interviews with John Borman, he comes across as a very thoughtful human being. So um, what was the thought behind she's going to stand up and her boobs are just going to be hanging out? I mean, he did set up the idea that nobody really, especially the men, don't feel sexual attraction in this yeah. in this world right. I mean, that's that's like one of the central conceits of like what is supposed to be wrong with this society is that total numbness and lack of feeling like not just in the apathetics but moving toward that and part of that is like the complete lack of sexuality to the because don't they have like they use the brutals for a breeding program or was just, that just Zed? Just Zed. Yeah. Just Zed. He was but, the only one. But I mean, they one. don't breed at all anymore because they're immortal and they can't... They don't need They more. don't need more people. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, it felt a, like this is the conflict of things that make us human and having shelved those things to try to preserve knowledge. Right. Those two big decided. things, right? There's the yeah. no death and no sexual reproduction. And so... Look, I can't get into John Borman's head, so it, right. it, it's yeah, I'm very, saying I think I'm gonna you just tell that 
Story without random boobs every yeah. five minutes. I, you know, different artists do things <laughs> different ways. You would have done it that way. This is how John Borman decided to do it. Yeah, I, I forgot how much nudity there was in this because they all struck me as like art boobs rather than jerk <laughs> boobs. Oh, tuna. That's, I mean, it just, it was never like, it never felt like it was supposed to be titillating. It felt like it was supposed to be like, here is this bizarre, surreal world. Yeah, that's why, like all, seeing it that's why all those penises painting. were out. That's yeah, that's true. True. Oh, Not yeah, a single penis in this for, movie. Uh, yeah. We saw some dudes in the plastic bags, yeah. <laughs> but there was no it looked like they were Ken dolls. That's why I would give more credit to this theory if it was <laughs> equally distributed. Oh, all right. I need to do something. I need to add a line to my fixes here. <laughs> more more penis. penis. As, yeah. as no, we said, I'm totally on board. As yeah, we said in the frogs ones. episode, more dicks. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, we kind of derailed you there, but oh yeah, <laughs> keep doing sorry, that. we're going back to you after the more dicks line. <laughs> I did notice that, however, yeah. as well. Um, yeah, I feel like there were a couple of moments that were kind of room esque, where I was like, "What?" and then it was mostly just waiting for the next one, and then just waiting for the next thing, <laughs> and just wait, and it was just a lot of waiting. Here's a whole scene of them making bread. <laughs> yeah, then delivering it. Then also, him waking up, and then him being woken up. I also had a question about Sean Connery's character. First of all, I didn't understand his character for the most of the movie. Like, I didn't know like who he was, like what he wanted. Right. And half the time, I couldn't tell because they have, I think, some sort of telepathic powers. Yes. Something. They're they're like some sort of psychokinetic can something. hurt you with their brain. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's like, looks could, if looks could kill, that's real here yeah. or something. It seems right. like they all like if they stare hard at you, it, it does something. Yeah, I, I think it has maybe a little bit of connection to the fact that of like the aging thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they also like, have like crystals in their brains. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> one thing we haven't covered yet is that these whole Eternals thing when they are punished when they like commit a crime or a faux pas in some way people vote if this person should be aged and this is the only way they can age is if they're being punished and the aging process is essentially people point their hands at them and wave and (laughs) stare at them real hard there's real weird sound design yeah and then they age suddenly yeah Mm -hmm. uh so i think it might be sort of connected to that as like they all sort of have this staring power that hurts Mm -hmm. and i know they talk about like the second level a lot and like that was like a weird like psychology I will <laughs> not go to the second level. <laughs> right. that was but only half his face aged? How? And what? why? Why? Weird. Everybody else aged normally, but he just half Maybe his face. Maybe because he falls on the table. Yeah, that happens. It's like Harvey Dent. It's like Harvey Dent Two Face, where like he just happens to conveniently fall, and they hit this side of his face more. It made yeah. no sense. That made no sense. Um, but yeah, I for for half the movie, I wasn't sure if Sean Connery was like conscious and like in control of his own actions or if he was being like mind controlled like I just didn't like when he's working for them in the beginning he's just kind of wandering around he's not he doesn't say anything at any point and then eventually he starts to talk has he fulfilled his mission once he's killed Sharpie face I don't know I think part because like his whole thing, he gets super pissed off because he realizes that Zardoz is just the Wizard of Oz. And so he goes into the head to confront the wizard, the man behind the wizard thing. So I think it was partly, oh, I need to kill this asshole for lying to me all this time. And then also, what is this asshole's deal? Like, why was he lying? Like, well, wasn't. Hold. <laughs> <laughs> 
did I ma- I've seen this movie twice just so we're uh-huh. clear uh, like I watched it probably two years ago and then I watched it last night and I still feel like he was leading the other brutals there yeah well I How think that was though? his it doesn't make any sense well, no, but I, no. I do agree that because he like Tuna said he gets mad because he's in a library at some point and sees the Wizard of Oz book and realizes Zardoz Zardoz ah Wizard of Oz <laughs> ah it's, my, it's the thing they've been tricking me the whole time I actually like that library scene it's not bad yeah. I uh, like the weird because he was wearing like the, the Sharpie face mm-hmm. or no his friend it was it was friend in the library wasn't it no it was Sharpie face we say Sharpie face because he has his, his goatee drawn on his face and his mustache and his mustache yes yeah. Go and he has involved. underwear yeah. on his head. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's he's a he's the worst character. <laughs> he's to be terrible. fair, a lot of the characters have underwear on That's their head. That's a very good point. It's just a natural. It's like in Weird Science where they were wearing bras on their heads. Right. It's it's, yeah. it's just evolved. Some, just some boxer briefs. <laughs> boxer yeah. briefs. Yeah. Um, but the, it, he's like wearing a sheet over his face or something. Like he's wearing a bag on his like head. He's a and ghost. It was creepy fucking. Like I don't know. There was so it was effective, yeah. I guess. But it and again, it felt like it was coming from a different movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> like that, that every was time that character was on screen. He feels like he's in a zanier movie. Yeah. yeah. And especially because like. He was a very Monty Python-esque character. He like was. you were expecting him to be over the top, except everything was just like on that edge of it. So you're like. What especially because he opens the film. Like we get his yeah. floating head <laughs> on a black screen, just like explaining what's about to happen. And then two minutes in, he gets shot. And we're like, cool. Bye. <laughs> Glad we had all that time with you. That, it's also yeah. great, though, because like the opening scene, his head floats down, and he's kind of far away. Mm-hmm. And then he keeps getting closer, and you're like, is that Sharpie? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, th- oh, that is Sharpie. Okay. He kind of bounce, His head kind of bounces around the screen like the old DVD screen. <laughs> yeah, you're like, go in the corner. He was waiting for Zardoz's head to hit the corner of the screen. <laughs> That's very accurate. <laughs> he's like yeah. bouncing, and then all of a sudden, one's like, like, he just like slowly goes off the screen. And you're like, I guess we're done. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I, got, I got a couple things to say about this opening. Uh, one was the thing that Amy pointed out, which is like, yeah, at first you're like, okay, it's just a dude. What's wrong with his mustache? That's weird. Oh, oh, it's just drawn on. Why is it? What the fuck is going on? So, first is the it's it's weird because yeah his head's moving around but there's a very clear mat box like you can see his head is it's not like a disembodied head it's just very lazily and this film doesn't feel lazy oh see i didn't see that on i don't feel like i noticed it either oh man i just it just jumped out to me i don't know i just your contrast yeah i noticed it well it wasn't even like it wasn't like I noticed the matte box as much as I notices his clothes. There's a hard line where his clothes just stop. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's that, which is like John Borman is not a lazy filmmaker. Mm-hmm. But then I found out that this was this scene, this opening was at was added at the behest of 20th Century Fox mm. because they were worried that the <laughs> audience wouldn't understand the movie. Now, so this was their idea to fix that. This. <laughs> fine yeah a lot of times that happens it's uh-huh. always bad uh-huh. it's it never works out well i think the, one of the best examples is one of my favorite films is dark city and there's a narration at the beginning which explains the whole fucking plot and mystery <laughs> <laughs> and then apparently originally that was not there and you can get on my blu-ray there's a, a director's cut that doesn't have that and so you're constantly wondering through the whole thing who are these weird 
pale people in trench coats <laughs> that are controlling everything. But at the beginning, they're just like, they came from outer space. And <laughs> they do this thing with their brains. And it's like, well, what the fuck? So it's always bad. But this makes me more confused. I'm trying to remember what he said. I feel like at one point he's like, this isn't what's happening but it's what co- it's a potential future but it's not the future but who knows I'm yeah. a wizard <laughs> he's spot on yeah. Yeah. he basically says it's like it is a it, he says like it's set in the future a possible future so he's telling you that like this hasn't happened but it might uh, and he says that I am a false god and a magician and so uh-huh. you're already set up for that whole idea of there being a false god in this mm-hmm. so the moment you see the floating head you're like all right, I guess that's the, probably the false god. <laughs> found him. <laughs> yeah, it's but it it just creates more confusion. Mm-hmm. Like if you just started with the floating, we're saying floating head a lot. But there, so there's there's a lot of floating. There's, head in there's this movie. two major floating heads. Yeah, right. There's there's oh. the floating head of Sharpie Face who's at the person, beginning, who's a person, yeah, who's an eternal. Yes. And then there's the actual giant stone. Yes. With spaceship. diamond eyes. Yeah. Diamond eyes. That was a shine down song that was in I'm gonna believe you that was in it was the theme to the expendables 2 wow this just goes this just keeps going you have so much knowledge very specific such helpful and important knowledge (laughs) has gotten me through so much of my life I like that song I hate that movie but I like that song I like shine down I think I'm the other way I like that movie you liked expendables 2 those are fun what is your definition of fun? <laughs> Not Zardoz. No, I, well, I will agree with you. <laughs> but well, you, <laughs> I'm glad you liked it, though. I am, I am glad too. you enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. I, but we need to get to Matt because I think yeah. he enjoyed right. it the most. <laughs> yeah, clearly you can tell from my uh, tone so far. I really loved Zardoz. I've uh, never seen you so grouchy about a movie, honestly. It's weird because I hated some of the movies we've watched on here. Yeah. This one, I think, bored me the most of anything we've watched, which was, yeah, like you had said that at one point you just realized you were on your phone and you <laughs> don't even remember how that happened. <laughs> I, I equated this earlier to that sort of like, if you're watching a movie at like one in the morning and all of a sudden you realize you're like nodding off and you're like, oh, I should go to bed. I don't remember what happened for the last 15 minutes. It was that experience, but at 6.30 p.m. and I wasn't asleep. <laughs> and I was just realizing like, I just glazed over for the last five minutes. I have no idea how we got here. I don't know if there was any setup for this. Even if I rewound, I don't think it would make more sense. Mm. (laughs) So there was a lot of that happening. I also went into it with the idea that it was going to be like a fun romp Mm -hmm. based on mostly Sean Connery in that outfit with the gun. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. there's so much to love. I I thought we were going to get like a hero character. I mean, you show somebody that image. Yeah. You set some expectations. Yeah. 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 And I also feel like, like Nick said earlier, like this is often put in the same category of like cult classics like the room and other things of group watches midnight showings entertaining bad yeah Mm -hmm. and so i was really going into this expecting more like generically bad 70s sci-fi and i don't feel like i got anything close to fun bad (laughs) and 
I even tried to give it like the benefit of the doubt at some point when I realized kind of like him going into the society. I was like, okay, so this is kind of Planet of the Apes, right? Ish. Like I, I get yeah, they even have him in the cage with the straw. Yes, right. and so I was getting that vibe, and so I tried to like switch my brain over to like, okay, so political message is gonna be here, and then it just kept like confusing itself. I felt like and not being very clear about what it wanted me to get out of it, and so even that trying to read deeper into it didn't work for me and so i just felt the whole time that the movie was trying to tell me that it was really smart and had a lot to say yes but ended up not saying anything it's like someone talked for an hour and 40 minutes at me and then goes (laughs) right (laughs) and i go wait what i'm supposed to respond now i'm supposed to have feelings about what you just said because i have nothing Oh my god, we've all had those conversations. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I've been that guy. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. We've been on all a date been and been guy. like, right? And Ooh. they're like, sure. <laughs> we've all I have been to that go. Guy. Yeah, Wait, you can go. Zardoz? It's okay. What? <laughs> I am false Zardoz. gods. False gods. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was my overall feelings. Is like I wanted more fun. Bad. I wanted a clear, like heroic figure in Sean Connery. And you <laughs> definitely didn't get that. Definitely didn't get that. I also didn't like. I didn't care what happened to him. And the the fact that this movie results in him and his people just slaughter everyone. I'm like, cool. Like, (laughs) I I guess we're happy about it. Yeah. This is the thing, right? Like, I'm not sure. Make me feel good about watching it. I guess this is the thing. And I don't know, Tuna, you might have a perspective on this. Like Mm -hmm. I, my biggest problem with this is I'm not sure how I'm, how the movie wants me to feel. Like, that's where, because, like, at the end, I'm like, well, they want to be killed, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't want to kill them anymore. Mm -hmm. But they're getting killed, and I think they're celebrating it. Am I supposed to be happy about this? And I, you could say that it's trying to offer self-reflection, I guess. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel that. I I just kept going, I don't know what I'm supposed to. And so, therefore, I just feel nothing, which means I'm on Twitter on my phone. Like, I, I... that was my constant. I guess it's moving on to me now. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. You're good. Uh, like, Tuna, do you, I mean, how do you feel? Uh, like, do you feel like the movie was trying to make you feel a certain way, good or bad? A little bit. I mean, uh, I know it's come up on the podcast before, but I tend to lean into the existential sure. view of these sorts of things. See and, our episode about Prometheus. Yeah. Indeed. And this, like, and this sort of leans into that, and like I feel like I don't have to force it as much as I did with Prometheus. Um, I, I agree with that. <clears throat> but it, it's, to me, yeah, it's a lot, it's what Matt's talking about with that political central conceit of, like, here are people with power, and here are people who ostensibly have no power, but it maybe they out, have all the power. You're right. But it's like, well, that's how are these things defined? And like, these are two massively different cultures, despite the fact that they're, you know, apparently all humans, I guess. It's just that some of them are in this eternal form and some of them are not. But they consider themselves different to the point of uh, when May and Sean Connery, what the hell? Zed? Zed. Yeah, I can't think of him as anything. Z but him. is the last letter in the alphabet. He's supposed right. to be the last uh, okay. iteration. Yeah, but like she's accused of bestiality for like laying on the floor with him. By and Consuela. It's like, by Consuela. Who marries and has a baby with right. him. So it's like, it seems like there's a lot of this like cultural othering going on. Mm-hmm. And to the point where like, oh, these, you know, these Eternals were trying to set up a utopia that turns out that it's it's not that because like even if you have all of the power, 
then like a they're still going to be fighting like that was a big thing that it seemed to me where it was like oh if you can't hit each other if you can't beat the shit out of each other like the brutals do you find different ways to do it and right. you have these psychic crimes and that and so was that was an interesting moment to me even even watching it this time and not really enjoying it mm-hmm. but when there is that moment when they walk outside and you do at that point you're still thinking oh it's utopia there's no violence here, yet there is that thing where the man and the woman are being extraordinarily psychically violent to each other. Right. And and he's like, well, what the hell is... what? Oh, the spinning people. Yeah. yeah. The, it seems like a Monty Python sketch. <laughs> like, that's what I love about this movie. It's this surreal, weird shit like that that keeps happening. And it's not like, oh, look at how weird it is. It's like, that's how things operate in this world. And it's weird and it's not good. I feel like it, it's world building in the sense of like Jack Skellington going to Christmas Town and being like, "What's this? What's this?" <laughs> and just like you get like twelve examples, and you're like, "That's what this place is." I'm gonna go right. back and tell everyone about it. <laughs> yeah. but like that's the most surface level thing. Like I don't think there's like the fact that we see like one example of each thing feels like weirdly like we don't have a good reason for this. So just you go over there and you do this. And that'll just be lore. Now it's canon that people in this world do that thing. But it's not like weaved into the story. It feels like glued on afterwards sometimes. This feels like a um, that era science fiction novel. Because mm. the world building in a lot of those novels was very much like everything. Like there's <laughs> what we have to think about. It's like fantasy building. where Well, these people act this way and this way and this way. But in a movie, well, even in a book, a lot of times that just there's too much going on. And, and I think movies do a good job of sort of condensing that. Let's focus on this part of the story. Because once you get into the um, apathetics and everything, you're just kind of like, what are we doing here? Uh, I have a list of all the terms that oh, they give you. Yes, give oh, us yeah. all the terms. Okay, so there's the tabernacle, which we haven't oh, talked about he yet. He shouts that word a lot in this movie. <laughs> there's the vortex, which is, I think, where they are. I can't yeah. tell if the vortex is a planet. Because there's also multiple ones. It's like, like vortex like four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the vortex no is like that city or region or area because. But are there Outside more of the them? Yeah, because the edge. Yeah, because this is Vortex 4, and they yeah. make reference to other Vortex. So there's well, others like them? Yeah. No, okay. I think like where the Brutals live is a different Vortex, because when he tries to walk there and he gets smooshed against the glass, yeah. that's him like at the wall between Vortexes that only the head can pass through. But then they talk about space travel. Yeah. And I was confused. I don't know. Maybe there's a glass ceiling. <laughs> the head can go through that too. It's just a bunch of cubes stacked yeah. up didn't forever. Didn't make any sense. Ooh. It's um, all turtles. Then there's the apathetics, <laughs> the renegades who are the old people who I guess have given up on trying to fit in. They're outcasts. Yeah. And they, they were, they've like, all been aged to elderly. Yeah. But they're still not able to die. No. Yeah. And they're just in this weird old folks home. It looked like they were having like a weird prom yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, then there's the Eternals, uh, the Apathetics, the Brutals, and then the Outlands or something along those lines is yeah. where they, the, the, brutals the Brutals lived. Mm-hmm. So, so what was the tabernacle? The crystal. Right. With yeah. a voice of a man. Because yeah. it's what he asks, they but, ask all the questions so to the tabernacle So it's like the renegade, the, the old man was like talking to him through the tabernacle? I think the tabernacle is just the like like how we talk about the cloud kind of thing where it's like this overall computer I thought the old man was like connected to the tabernacle he may 
days. Which which yeah. old With man? Oh, the, the one the that was in the bed. Yeah. Yeah, I think he made it, and yeah. I think it's just like the tabernacle to me was just like the science. It's, it's just like, like here Siri it is. or Alexa. It's this yeah. Think, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because yeah. he yeah. keeps asking it questions, and then it's like you know, uh, not allowed. Yeah. yeah. And it like controls like the crystals in their head. It like controls them when they're going to the second level or I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of lore. Yeah. It struck me as like kind of like the computer in I Have No Mouth but I Must Scream. Mm-hmm. I don't what know is, if you've ever is, read that. It's no. a it's short story. Harlan Ellison I think. Yeah. yeah. It's a short story where humans built a computer AI kind of thing that went rogue when it realized how awful humans were and now mm. but it's like the planet's core and people began killing themselves to escape its wrath and so this story is the story of like the last six survivors who are tortured for eternity by this AI that keeps them alive kind of thing. So this to me seems like the step before, or maybe not even quite the step before, because it's like they can't die no matter how much they want. Yeah. yeah. But that was d- d- by design. The scientists the, yeah. made it so that they would be eternal so that the human race wouldn't die off? Mm-hmm. Question mark? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't understand why, though, it, it was eternal life instead of reproduction, because, like, if they wanted, they could have just, like, had more controlled reproduction so that it was just, like, replacement instead of growing your population. Like, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand why the Brutals were allowed to reproduce and, like, why that was different. But, like, only Zed. Like, he was the breeding stock, essentially. Right? I yeah. don't think so that because was, I don't that think was my understanding, I don't think all I think the brutals were killing I think the brutals are the ones that were like allowed to reproduce and they were killing the ones that were just randomly reproducing. Mm. I think who were they killing? That is a great question. <laughs> yeah. To me it was, They're well, just like hunting down businessmen on a beach. Yeah, so I you think, had the executioner is that right? Executioner or exterminators? exterminators? Exterminators, that's it. Yeah. So my understanding is that there was some sort of resource war kind of thing that went on. And so the rich people all decided, hey, we're going to live forever. Uh-huh. And in order to be able to feed ourselves, we mm. need all the food possible. Yes. So they have the exterminators that kill. Like the Brutals are everybody who's not the Eternals. Okay. The exterminators are Sean Connery and his buddies. With the masks. Yeah. They get the who guns. are either killing people so that they're not eating. Like all the people in business suits that look like extras from a John Romero movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. It was like they didn't George tell them Romero? to get I was going to say, yeah. John Romero. <laughs> yeah. George's cousin. <laughs> oh, right. But if it's a resource war, then like why not have them grow food? Because they, they didn't, do. Do, they they didn't do. do that until later though. And they were like, yeah. we don't grow food. We kill. Why are we growing food? So that means this whole time they haven't been growing food. Right. So what have they been doing? Just reproducing it's- and then killing each other it's been a recent development that they've run out of food isn't it no i think that's why they became or they were destroying the planet or something which is why they became why they developed eternal life i think i think (laughs) that none of us know i think we're trying to put too much logic on this but we did the 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 farming thing was definitely a piece of it of like at one point these Guys who he says they only eat meat. They did not eat yes. meat. Right. Where suddenly Zardoz is telling them to farm. And that kind of was like a tell of like, wait a minute. Who are, you, who, who are we farming for? Yes. It was like a bug's life situation. Yes. Where, like, <laughs> yeah. Once a year. This these, is just like a bug's life. I yes. mean, to be fair, this part of the movie very oh, much is like a bug's life. You know, they harvest all year and then the guy, or they grow Hopper. all year and then the harvest. Takes Hopper slash Zardoz shows mm-hmm. up once a year to pick up the harvest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's about where the bug's life 
ends. Pixar right. only steals from the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, here's the thing. I saw this, so I should have known what to expect because I saw it. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is the fascinating thing about this movie is I remembered almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Like when I mm. sat down to watch it, I had forgotten that Beethoven's seventh was featured so heavily in it. And I was like, and it was weird because it did feel like it was ripping off 2001, like, (laughs) like that sort of thing of using a a well-known piece of music to introduce your story and everything. And so I really thought watching it, I'd be like, okay, I've seen this. Why don't I remember it? And I still was expecting a romp. I still was expecting something bonkers. And at the end of the day, we are treated to possibly my least favorite uh, era. One of my least favorite eras of filmmaking is this era. It's like right around here Mm. with this and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. (laughs) And like there's this 70s veneer of uh of filmmaking of special specifically of science fiction filmmaking that i loathe and it's not the fault of it it's not like it's doing something inherently good or bad it's just i don't like it there's something i find insidiously depressing about it do you also hate logan's run i do actually i love the idea of logan's run i like the idea i I think because this movie looks like logan's run to me as well yeah it's (laughs) And I think I think similar eras at 76 for Logan's. Oh, yeah. So two years later. And I think that was one of the big step forwards with Star Wars is it didn't look like (laughs) that. uh, So so there's a lot in there that like the look of the thing is very important to me. And the look of this movie kicks me out. Mm. And I'm constantly like, I don't want to look at these hippies. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to look at the bright colors. I don't want to. And and it's in that Monty Python world, except it's not funny. (laughs) The the weird the the tension in Monty Python for me is the fact that it looks dark and gritty and gross, but is hilarious. And like those jokes exist in that weird world. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing to me. And I think that's one of the reasons um, the Holy Grail works so well. And I think specifically I'm talking about Holy Grail because Life of Brian's a different. Yeah, uh, no, the multiple of my notes are like. Holy Grail came out the next year. Was that a direct reference? Like Weird. the the sex castle in Holy Grail. When I watched the sweat licking scene, I'm like, mm-hmm. this is that's the scene from Monty Python, <laughs> except it's serious here. Like did, it was that I I don't know. Is it a direct? Like I don't think so. I think they yeah. were all being made at the same time. Roughly, yeah. that blows my mind. So, like, but again, part of the era, and yeah. you know, the, you'll still have that. Some movies come out and it's like very similar ideas and no relation to each other. So, I hated it. I, I I hated watching it, but I don't necessarily think it's because the movie is bad. I don't think the movie's bad enough, frankly, because it's 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 a lot of boring and a lot of nothing for me. I wanted more, I I hate to say it this way because it's unfair, but I wanted more to laugh at and I just didn't find it. Like it was, it wasn't good enough. Like Phantasm, Phantasm is, is such an interesting story. Right. And interestingly told that I can easily overlook the bad stuff. 
Um, and I, and I think that movie's very good, even though a lot of the filmmaking's not so great because they had no budget, you know, and they were working with people who weren't really actors, you know? (laughs) So it's, so there's a lot that I can overlook. And this sort of is the opposite to where it's like, it just feels generic seventies to me with Mm. that's well shot. Um, and has some very good actors in it who aren't really doing much. We talked about with Sean Connery. I don't know. He's such a blank slate that I don't. And, and he does bad things, but nobody seems to care that he does these bad things. So no. the act, the other characters aren't telling me how to feel about him. And he's not telling me how to feel about him. He's not telling me how to feel about the other people. The only person that I start to feel for in any way is friend and he's still a prick. Like I don't, I don't <laughs> right. like him, but I can at least see his misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But other than that, there, there's nobody in here. I need to relate to characters. Some people don't need that. That's like you. You pointed out Salvador Dali and something like that. I don't relate to those films uh, or his paintings or anything like mm-hmm. that. Surrealism is not my jam. Yeah. See, um, and I'm thinking that's like probably what I'm picking up on. It could very you're well describing be. that. I'm like that. That's fine. To me, this like, yeah, I did not connect to any of these characters in any way, but it was like, it was like watching a snow globe that somebody shook up. Well, and I'm and like I can totally see that. outside of it, but it's like, I love that. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. Like, Ooh. See, see, for me, this was uh, a lot of things you're describing are reminding me that I watched two bad movies this week uh, and they, was the other they're one? weirdly similar in only ways that maybe if you watch them back to back, you will realize, <laughs> but it was this and Aquaman. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> is Aquaman bad? Yes. It's bad. I've heard people Some say people it's say really it's cool. I, cool is not a word it's I would boring. use. It's very boring. It's boring. It's wow. Si- similar like ways of like, I don't care about any of these characters. Mm-hmm. And the only things I know about any of their relationships are the things that they are directly telling me. Mm-hmm. It's like they tell oh. the other characters and the camera essentially of like <laughs> you are feeling this way but I feel that you should feel this way so I disagree with you <laughs> and it's like that happens in both movies where we get a lot of like blank faces in uh, Zardoz that are just like saying things to each other but like mm. I don't connect with either side of this conversation right. and so I'm left with nothing so you just end up <laughs> they have a whole dialogue and you go yeah. and? but Willem <laughs> Dafoe plays the character like friend in Aquaman where you're like oh you're a jerk but I'm supposed to like you because you're helping out the hero, I guess. <laughs> kind of. So, yeah. I mean, you can Don't have watch those... either of these movies. That's my <laughs> recommendation. No. You can have those characters and that's fine. It's just there was nothing here for me to connect to. Like, yeah. I just everything felt blank. And I, I think you put it really well, Matt. And my takeaway from it also was very much like... I think Roger Ebert wrote the review about it or somebody wrote a review about it to where they were just like, this is, this is why, um, preaching in your movie, an ideal or whatever is bad because then if, if you don't care about that ideal, then the movie is nothing. Mm -hmm. It's it, that that's all there is to it. And that may or may not be true here. I think some people do like this weird fantasy setting, this weird sci-fi setting, and and they like that era of filmmaking. Um, You know, one of my uh, good friends who's a filmmaker loves this era of filmmaking and that's, and, and that's great, but it doesn't connect for me. And so that being said, then I'm just left with a blank slate of a quote unquote hero or protagonist who has raped someone. And we're not told how the movie feels about that. 
that. And then he tries to do it again. And he tries to do it again. And he oh, that does. that he just tried to do it again <laughs> with an apathetic, who he just like gets up and is like, never mind. And, and like, I, you were right. clearly going to. Mm-hmm. And to me, I watched that, and sa- so the apathetic just does has no reaction. Yeah, mm-hmm. these apathetics are basically like posable dowels yeah. that you can mm-hmm. do anything to or with. Right. Yes. So when we see the first, oh God, I hate that I'm going to say this sentence. When we see the first rape, uh, the the person he's raping is reacting and and like unhappy, and you know there, there's a lot of emotion going on, mm-hmm. and but we don't see Connery's face. During that, we see him thinking about it, but mm-hmm. we don't see him in the scene. We we do, we do. We, he like has a mask on and he takes it off. Oh, does he? Like he? A weird, creepy. Yeah. Close well, up it's his face. You don't see his face in any other context other than occasionally it cuts back and it's just his face against the sky and he's making yeah. that weird like. It's just like a weird, like, creepy close up of him like taking a mask off. Must yeah. have just wiped that from my memory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, well, it doesn't fair. look like it's no. Like it keeps cutting to it, and the only reason you know that it's from that specific huh. sequence scene right that time is because it's in the middle of it. Yeah. Wow. Because it's just totally disconnected. It doesn't, it almost looks like he's just standing in front of a background. Yeah. Hmm. It's not done well, but well, it is there. <laughs> so there's a lot happening in that scene in terms of like emotion. She's trying to fight back, but she's in a net. And so it's like, mm-hmm. it's awful. And mm-hmm. then when he takes the the apathetic and starts to th- throw her on the hay bale and go at it, she doesn't react. And it seems like, to me, because she's not fighting back, he loses interest, mm-hmm. which horrifies me even more. But I don't know if that's what the movie was trying to say. I don't really know what the movie is trying to say, because, like, are we supposed to hope that he can go through with it? Like, we're tr- like, we're we're sh- we've already shown again this feels similar to like the boob thing for me <laughs> where it's like you've already showed us this you've told us this we understand this part of the world you don't need to go to this level to show us that part of the world like we like we literally like these apathetics are standing there and he like holds her arm up and it doesn't go back down and like uh-huh. he, po- he puts it down like okay these people are posable they have no reactions to anything you're yep. doing and so he tries to throw her down in the hay bale and have sex with her and then he's like surprised that she's not fighting back or doing anything and it's like yeah dude we all figured that out <laughs> right. before you did but yeah. i guess i guess my thing is Okay, he's supposed to be a quote unquote brutal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe the thing I'm missing is that his character is so blank and nothing there that it's a non sequitur for me that he does that, I guess. Like, he's he's not like a ravager. He's not like a, you know. Right. He doesn't try to sleep with every woman in the movie. No, he's not portrayed. If if that was like a weird trait that his character had, it would be terrible, but Mm -hmm. it would at least make sense that he does it in that scene rather than just he does it in two scenes that are vastly different from each other. Or even if if he was just aggressive, like he he isn't though. No, he seems very passive. Yeah. Well, that's why half I, for half the movie I didn't know if he was conscious or if he right. was being mind controlled and like mm-hmm. was a zombie. Yeah. Like I wasn't sure what was happening. <laughs> yeah, he seems like super <clears throat> chill for a dude who just discovered this whole other world exists. <laughs> well, it's time to move on to how yeah. we would fix this. <laughs> <laughs> I I think you need to burn this down. I I I, I know you guys have maybe a couple ideas. <laughs> I'm I was so like there's not much of a kernel here that I even enjoyed 
I liked some of the stunts. Mm-hmm. And I like Charlotte Rampling a lot, I, I, but I I don't I don't know the, the, the if you want to see a movie that I think did this idea well, it's Serenity, mm-hmm. which I talked about with Sam on an episode of Real Good, because the idea in there was we're trying to calm people down, but we calmed them down so much that they just laid down and died. Like, that's the government's big secret in mm-hmm. that movie. Sorry if I spoiled that for anyone. But <laughs> but that so and then and then, of course, the government in doing this create there was a reaction in point one percent of the population that had the opposite effect to the drug and mm-hmm. became psychotic and, and went nuts. And this whole basically a whole new race of people that were just ballistic um, horror show zombie maniacs was born. And and it was just this it was this very simple exploration of what happens if you try to 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 control people in in, in an extreme way. And I think that's kind of what this movie was trying to say, is that if you try to control everything, it it's not going to end well. Like you control you and you try to you know, you try to make it a safe place. You try to make it, you know, you, you try to do small things to make it livable. But once you start trying to alter who we are as 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 a you know as a species or as 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 an animal problems occur i think that's what they were trying to say in think, a very broad sense i think you're onto something because there are definitely lines like near even the end of the film once things have like gone well for them there are lines that they exchange where it's still kind of like they're like yeah but what what can you do like <laughs> we don't really know anything and it's like even when they win and they think they've got everything they want they're still kind of like well yeah but who really knows? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, God, yeah. No, I don't need this ex- existential like Existential dread. crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, so that was for, like a bonus real good you just slipped in there. Yeah, it's bonus <laughs> real good. If you haven't seen Serenity, you don't need to see Firefly. Firefly helps you get acclimated to some of the characters. Um, but the characters are even a little bit different in Serenity anyway. So I say just check out Serenity. I think it's a wonderful film. But aside from that, yeah, I, I just I, I don't think there's really a lot that's salvageable here. Amy, you said that you had an idea. <laughs> I do. Hit me. It's very weird. <laughs> Fine. So's this movie. Okay. My idea is to cut all the dialogue. Ooh. Whoa. Okay. And cut it down to like maybe like 30, 45 minutes. Because I do think there's some interesting visual stuff here. And then you just like stick it in a contemporary art museum and just have it play on a wall. <laughs> okay. So you okay. cut all the dialogue. You cut, you know, there's a you lot make of it like, an installation. I'm on board yeah. with this. Yeah. yeah there's I a mean, lot. Yeah. Just project yeah. it in a dark corner of the museum where people walk in and they just stare mm-hmm. at it for three of the th- 30 minutes that it's playing and they go, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Walk out. Yes. No, I, I dig that. I hate video art. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just high five across was, the room. This yeah, was the worst part of art history for me was yes. we get into video art and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and I had to go into so many museums. Like yep. there's this museum in Boston, the ICA, and it's the Institute of Contemporary Art. And sorry to the people that love it. That's fine. But it was not my jam. I went in there and it stressed me out so much. <laughs> Legitimately, I like. Right. It it's made, stressful. Yes. And and the, yeah, and so like this belongs there, just like it belongs in a museum. <laughs> cut it again. There's a lot of stuff. So you can do cut you. Out. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you can cut out. Cut the dialogue, just like, and just have it be like a weird video art installation. 
That's great. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I like that a lot. That makes me think of like Jim Henson did some weird experimental films Ooh, yeah. uh, when he was like coming up and like rejecting his children's TV uh, <laughs> roots. Uh, and he made one called uh, I think either Cube or The Cube or something like that. And then one called Timepiece. And they are very much like they're shorter films. I don't think there's any dialogue in either of them. And they're very much that sort of thing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've watched those and I can appreciate them for what they are. And they're short. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I get you. But <laughs> like, yeah, if I could watch a shorter version of this movie, that'd be great. And I feel like if you cut the dialogue, you don't lose anything. No. So, if anything, you might understand more about this movie. <laughs> well, actually, I think that, that that's clever because filling what is it about and you having to fill in and go oh okay i think this is about this sounds much more exciting than mm-hmm. having these sort of effete people tell Sean Connery what it's all about yeah. and then me going what as opposed mm-hmm. to me just watching this yeah that's interesting side note about video art i see now a lot of people are going to think i hate um like contemporary art and I don't I I, I, I love Jackson Pollock well I don't love he was a dick but like I, <laughs> yeah. I like his process and I like Rothko's and, and everything so like when I went to the uh, MoMA in San Francisco for school I remember getting to see these paintings for the first time and they're huge like that's mm-hmm. the thing in a book you know or even yeah. online you have no idea of scale and w- looking at a Rothko looking at a Mark Rothko in person is so different mm-hmm. than looking at it in a book. And I remember just being taken with it. Like, just like, this is amazing. And the same with Pollock and the same with a, there was a Kandinsky and like, there was all kinds of stuff in there and I loved it. And then I got to the video art and I was just miserable. I hated all of it. It was stressful. It was loud. I don't even know why it was so loud, but it, like there were these loud installations and Oh, God. So it's not just like modern art and contemporary art and uh, 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 abstract expressionism, like all of that stuff. I, I actually really do admire. It's the video art that <laughs> like I remember we got to a we got to a point in it and somebody said, we're going to talk about Yoko Ono. And I was like, oh, interesting. And her video art. God damn it. <laughs> <sighs> so but yeah, I think that's a fascinating idea for this movie. And I think yeah. more of the films we watch on here might be suited <laughs> For yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's sort of a cheat because that could make a lot of movies. Like Samurai Cop is like an art film <laughs> with no dialogue. I was thinking like Manos it's, or something. I was thinking but... Things. Like no, if you took... no, Things just burn it and leave it. <laughs> that film is Ashes and that's where it belongs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Tuna. Oh, man. Would you fix this? Because you enjoy yeah. it. Oh, I've definitely, I've definitely got some fixes. Go for it. Um, because, I don't know, I was not as bored as you guys, it sounds like. Uh, and I think a large part of that was because so much of the cinematography I thought was beautiful and all shapes and sizes. So, too. so mm. much of the like blocking, even when there was not a lot plot wise happening, it never felt like the screen was uninteresting to me. Hmm. There was always like something weird to look at or like some, it felt I don't like, argue that with you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and, and almost even like a lot of the things you guys are bringing up are stuff that I didn't even think about. Cause to me, it felt like. Uh, like like asking why all the pipes in Brazil and it's like mm-hmm. oh like that's just like that's a set dressing thing that like fills in stuff and not the another focus. thing I hate so I'm okay with all of that <laughs> Brazil Brazil 
I Wait, love version. I, I love Brazil. all of them. <laughs> it is it, it it is it is needlessly an assault on my senses. It's loud <laughs> in ways that I am. Uh, it's just unpleasant to. Nick, is your like, TV broken? There's a volume. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> just watching it, going, everybody, shut up. That's God. Oh. But yeah. I, and that's what I love about it. But see, that's, <laughs> that's the what thing. Life feels like most. <laughs> I don't need to be reminded of that. <laughs> yeah. But like most people, uh, most film people really like Brazil mm. and, and and have a lot to say about it. And I think it's an interesting movie. It's just when I watch it, I'm like, ah, right. Oh, but I totally get the board thing because like one of the worst movie experiences of my life was having to watch Knife in the Water for a class. <laughs> and holy shit. Non, just fucking three people on a goddamn a boat. boat doing nothing. <laughs> Ugh. And again, that one I feel like if cut all the dialogue, make it twenty minutes, and stick it in a museum, I would have liked that so much better. Yeah. So I know the feeling you're describing, and I'm like, yeah, I can see how that can come out of this film. And I didn't really feel anything like that until most of the way through it. Like once you find out about Tabernacle, basically, then it's like everything after that. It seems like, okay, we can just sort of get on with it because that's yeah. what everything else was building up to. So once you find out about Tabernacle, condense all of that down. And also um, get rid of all the rape stuff. It felt totally unnecessary. What I took from it is it's supposed to be like, oh, here are these like sexless nothings in the eternal world. And here's like the most brutal based form of sexuality and it's like well yeah like extra like it doesn't virile, need to be just like it, it's the two ends of the spectrum yeah. there's no middle well, ground it, i felt like it didn't need to be non-consensual at all yeah, it's yeah. Like, uh, totally especially because oh the the brutals are not supposed to breed all right so make sean connery a dude who fucks like <laughs> yeah. that's what you look at like, that mustache right like it's not a far stretch right like consensually like this like he is attractive. People are attracted to him. Like, you know, maybe you go back to the original casting and get Burt Reynolds if you want to make him really sexy in that way. But like leaning into that and like that being what the Eternals are trying to capture that like, oh, that magnetism rather than like forcing it. That outward. desire that because, yeah, yeah I and agree. And it can still be like really like, you know, kind of like animalistic because they're supposed yeah. to be brutal. Like it doesn't, you know. Right. But yeah. And to that point is the third one that I said as a joke, but not as a joke because <laughs> more dicks. Like so much of this is about that conflict between the sexless and the sexful, I guess. Yeah. I don't, so it's like, Randy. Right. And it's like the closest you get to... I want them to be called the sexful now. <laughs> I like the Randy. Yeah. yeah. The Randy. You're the Randy. We yeah. are one of those Randys. But the closest Randys. you get to a dick right now is that drawing of the, like, the oh. cartoon erection while they're explaining that they don't know how to get erections. That guy was a grower, too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, I mean, it's like, okay, like, have that, like, have them poke and prod. Like, use a stunt penis, I guess, if you don't want to see Sean Connor but like that's focusing in on more of that like those are my three fixes but other than that like I loved the slow pace it felt like I got to dwell in this weird space and just observe rather than <laughs> I normally am with you I normally yeah. like a slow pace it's just that the the production design and everything for this movie I, I didn't want to be there 
So yeah. Well, I also I, love Monty why... Python. So and I liked the humorless version of Monty Python. So <laughs> Monty Python makes me very uncomfortable until there's a joke, mm. and so I'm like unhappy. I don't yeah. want to be here. Oh, that's very funny. And yeah, then, yeah. You know. Oh, and I was like, it was like edging for that unsettling <laughs> feeling where I never got the <laughs> funny. The except at the sexual episode of the podcast. I know, right? But <laughs> I got to the it end. It took me a minute to process what you said. <laughs> you <laughs> said edging, and it took me a minute to go. What did he just say? Yeah, Sorry, he said listening to a lot of punch up the jam I thought lately. so. Yeah. <laughs> but but that was the thing is it was like that unsettling feeling throughout the whole movie and then when they turned into skeletons at the end I just burst into laughter. Well, yeah. It was the most perfectly goofy way to end that. Oh, I, oh, I don't think you were supposed to, go to be watch this goofy, movie again. Yeah, it was not, not supposed no, to be goofy. No, no, no. I'm sure it wasn't, but like I enjoy it. What were we supposed to feel about that? Life goes on. What well, I think we were also supposed to feel like, look at this, the triumph right. of this. Sitting in front of a cave wall for a hundred years? I, well, just with the music and everything, I feel like it was supposed to feel, we were supposed to feel something like, ah, they did it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like choosing to live and die on your own yeah. terms rather than yes. having it dictated Thank by you. a society. Dictated? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Or nice. dictated. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, one of, the one... No, God, why is this episode? I, the movie was about sex, okay? Like, there was a lot yeah. of sex happening, so that's why we're talking about it. Yeah. But the the thing about... I, I it, This is off the top of my head, so I could be wrong about this, but 20th Century Fox, uh, it was going to be an international release. I think you would have had ratings and distribution problems. I'm not a fan of this. I don't think it's correct. I think it's stupid. But I think there are different rating things associated with breasts versus penises. Oh, absolutely. And, and so yeah. I'm not going to put that on John Borman as much as I am like the 1974 20th Century Fox and getting a wide release. I could be wrong about that, though. Yeah, I don't think you are. No, I mean, that's that's exactly, like, as soon as Matt pointed out the lack of dicks, I was like, oh, right, because they probably had to get their R or whatever it was. Like, yeah. They didn't want the NC-17, and, like... Because if you go to that, that same era in other uh, markets, like Australia, mm-hmm. dicks everywhere. Like, there's just dicks um, and it's not in a sexualized way either. It's just um, there's a movie I really enjoy uh, called Wake and Fright um, with mm-hmm. Donald Pleasance. Um, and it's a very odd movie, a very violent movie. But it is a there's just this scene where a guy has had a long night of drinking and gambling away his uh, summer money. And he wakes up and it's, I don't know, it's like 110 degrees. It's very hot, but he's just naked in bed. And he gets up and walks to the window and looks outside and walks back. And it's a fully nude scene. It's not sexualized. It's just putting you in the place of this guy where he's sort of been stripped bare. And that's something I've always missed from specifically American cinema is Mm -hmm. this idea of like, oh, we can do that with a woman, but we can't do that with a man. Right what the fuck yeah. like it it makes no sense it's a it's a frustrating thing but that's the only point i'll bring to the thing with that that i'll i'm not even gonna say i'm defending john borman <laughs> but like that might be why right that exists yeah. so anyway. show us the wieners you cowards you cowards <laughs> matt how would you fix this uh i don't even remember what we were talking about anymore what's this movie zardoz got yeah. it um <laughs> so it starts out oh god no <laughs> The Wizard of Oz the whole time. <laughs> oh, I get yeah. it now. It all makes sense. Uh, so we talked about how like 
I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would trim any length out of this movie. I think I would like keep it the same length. What about girth? <laughs> <laughs> I quit. I know there's only like a few episodes of this podcast left. I quit now. <laughs> Nick, how do you think I should fix this movie? I am so tired. I am. I'm I thought you were going to say sorry. I was no. going to accept that, but you didn't. I am no. so tired. I am so tired and punchy right now. Yeah. That, like, punch elsewhere. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to spend a lot of time in the beginning part of the movie with the Brutals. Mm. Oh, yeah. I agree with that's that. That's where I feel like we didn't spend enough time. And as much as other parts of this movie, like I think I agree with Tuna, where like the last act drags on and that's when I completely glazed over so I think spending some more time with the Brutals and seeing some of their like normal everyday life and getting a couple instances of Zardoz visiting before it's already revealed that this is fake I think would be really interesting because then we can relate more to Sean Connery and we can kind of get into his head and see what his life is and so then when everything starts to fall apart it's Again, more interesting. Well, just from a storytelling perspective, go to the Wizard of Oz and Mm -hmm. like, how long do they stay in Kansas? Mm -hmm. And you have that, you know, you have first the whole thing with the dog and then you have the tornado. And so like everything builds. And then when you get to Oz, there's this, whoa, it's so different. But we weren't there long enough at the beginning. No. For you to really feel any different once you get to the vortex. Well, and like a good, that's a good contrast to draw because like Wizard of Oz, you don't hear that phrase until like 30 minutes into the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Like he's not brought up. Until there is a problem presented that needs to be solved. And they're like, right. oh, well, just go see the wizard. And she's like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, that's a direct quote. <laughs> Judy Garland. <laughs> you uh, may not have heard it because you watched the TV version. Yeah, for, for kids. Um, but in this one, it just like opens with the man on screen telling you everything's fake. And it's not an actual thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, p- potential future. Yeah. And then we see that thing immediately be fake. And it's just there's no drama there. There's no like tension at all. So I'd rather just like open with these guys in these suits, suits, whatever, the bathing suits slash diapers that they wear um, living their life, whether it's like they're hunting people or they're farming or they're doing whatever. And we just kind of get to know them a little bit before realizing there's something off about this. And we get to see him like having these discussions like I I think part of this for me is that I don't like flashbacks in movies and I don't like flashbacks to solve problems, especially. And I think that's a, a trope that a lot of the movies we do in this podcast fall into. Oh, it's a very easy trap to fall into because they're like, okay, flashback and voiceover are very easy traps. Like how do we do a mystery? Okay. We just won't tell the audience anything helpful. (laughs) Like we won't set up any sort of tension. And then at 60 minutes in after they're confused, we're going to show them all these flashbacks and tell them what they actually meant. Mm -hmm. And it's like, cool. Thanks for that. (laughs) And I think especially when we get flashbacks that are like the same scene shown 30 minutes after it just happened as if we would have forgotten it somehow. (laughs) Uh, It irritates me a lot. But when you when it feels like you didn't have a well-written movie and the way out of it was just to like double back on itself and be like, well, okay, how can we explain that? Well, what if we just have a guy show up to tell you what that scene actually meant <laughs> later? Mm-hmm. And so that frustrated me. So I would tell this in a more straightforward way. Mm. And I think that helps sets up this world even more because then you're also experiencing it with Sean Connery's character of you see him plotting 
of like, okay, the next time the big giant head comes down, guys, I am going to stow away. You're going to hide me in there. We're going to go see what this is all about. And so you don't get to see that weird man or, or any of the hippies until like, I don't know, like the 40th minute in this film or something like that. Like the first half hour is him plotting and getting like, you see the, the seasons happening and then they start to notice some weird things. And so they say like, let's figure out what's going on. And it would also help like establish a sense of plate. Like I have no Mm -hmm. idea what the brutals, like we see a beach and yeah. we see a field. Yeah. I don't know what they're, like, what are their houses? Like, I have no, no. idea what, what what conditions they are living in. So and I we think don't that get would any, help like, that a lot. None of them speak besides no. Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have no idea, like, what their interpersonal relationships are or anything. And Who's so, in charge? <laughs> yeah. I like, think Sean Connery. But, like, that other guy also shows up a lot with his mustache. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's in charge. Like, yeah. do they shave... Like that's the like I have a tough time believing the brutal sit there and like mm, good, good, you know yeah. like the, they just use rocks and scrape it I, off yes but see that's it they weren't violent enough they weren't uh, aggressive enough for me to believe any part of this and I think I, I agree like if you had a place show what did their houses look like how do they live how do they sleep do we see them as they wake up and then they you know they kick each other awake as they're reading ready to go down and you know cut a swath through the through the planes of these business people then you know like you can you can that we then understand them a little bit more and i guess that's part of the problem we all had was like nobody understood connery like we don't know he tells us he's a brutal and he's vicious but we don't ever we see the rape but other than that we don't really see much and he doesn't act like that no he's not a brute no he's not like a caveman showing up to this high technology place and not knowing how to behave well at Uh, first he kind of was he was waving his gun around and he was like what's what's this and they're like a flower and they're like what is it yeah that's true decoration (laughs) he doesn't know what a flower is it when nobody else was around, that's yeah, what he was but doing. But then when there were but people, he, also, he did know how to behave. In order to do that, he figured out how to work a, a Alexa ring. Yeah. Like, yeah. How to talk to this thing. It was But it weird. also, I think another fix I would do would be to, I'm going to spoil a movie <laughs> right now that we've recommended enough times on this podcast that I don't feel bad spoiling it. Okay, what movie? Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Ooh. If you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, what are you doing? First yeah, of all. First of all. But <laughs> pause it, go watch. Second of all, yeah. pause it here and then and go watch it and come back. Because yes, it is this is a very big spoiler for the movie. You want to do a commentary on Cabin in the Woods with me? Sure. Okay. Nice. Um, also probably watch the movie before you listen to that commentary. Um, <laughs> yeah, de- def- definitely. Yeah. But Okay, so the whole conceit of Cabin in the Woods is that it's not a real scary movie situation where they go to a cabin in the woods and there's ghouls and ghosts. It is a scenario that has been set up by a big corporation that is running these simulations slash murder parties uh, in a bunch of different places. All to appease an elder god. But like, yeah, but they're also taking bets on like what's happening, who's going to do the best job, who's the best stuff. The best behind the scenes. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Bradley Whitford is so That's what I want from this, not the the whole thing of that. But there is like one line in this movie where they mention that what's his face, Sharpie, beard, man, was basically given this vortex to experiment with. Yeah. And this was his experiment was like okay i'm gonna make a giant god who spits out guns to these brutals and let's see what happens like it was his thing and then they allude to the fact that there's other like vortices or whatever but we don't find out what's happening in those mm-hmm. and 
that was such like an interesting line to me that went nowhere. Yeah. And I just wanted to know more about that program that existed. Oh, yeah. Of like, okay, why was he given this? Why did he choose this? Mm -hmm. And also what's happening in the other ones? Because we essentially get that and we get what's happening here in like the hub of all of it. Right. But we don't get any insight into like what's happening in these other things that other people are getting to try. Right. Or even like within the place because May talks about like, oh, we want to study him and then there's not really any studying that goes on. They see on. if he can get an erection. Yeah. Right. Look at his eye for a long time. Then they lay under a oh, sheet. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I forgot about the eye. <laughs> yeah. right. How could you? <laughs> so memorable. So memorable. <laughs> but yeah, that's what, that would be my other fix was just like that's kind of fixing the second half of the movie then is yeah. like making this seem like more of an operation rather than just like 20 hippies sitting around a table randomly voting about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I get they're supposed to be bored. But you yeah. still got to run the operation. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Somebody decided that was okay for him to go try. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's talk about that. Totally. All right. Well, I still vote burn it down. I was a piece of <laughs> shit. I hated it. So, uh, but now we want to uh, move on to how we would rate it. Each of us has our own rating system. Mine is which Star Wars movie it is, is it? And it is the holiday special Ooh, because boy. it is confusing, unsettling, and boring. That yep, and <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Th- that was so. There we go, Matt. What's your rating system? Uh, my rating system is what Batman movie is it? Uh, and I'm gonna go with one that came out, or at least I saw exactly seven years ago today. Uh, that was also maybe a little too long, and also very boring, and also the minute. story was a little convoluted. And that's 2000? The Dark Knight Rises. Seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> So it's the God. Dark Rises. Oh, I'm so old, you guys. <laughs> How do you know that you saw it seven years ago today? Because I have a time hop on my phone. <laughs> oh. Where my tweets are like saying, like, guys, I don't think I liked The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> like, I was really worried I was going to be the only person in the world who didn't like that movie. <laughs> no. No. Nope. There's a whole podcast we did about it. Because it, we didn't. You, I also did not like it at all. Yeah. <laughs> Which one is that? That's, That's the one with Bane and Tom Hardy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen them all, but in my head they yeah. all scramble around. Cause it's been yeah. a I know. I had to think about it a long that time. That one's the least I Yeah. Uh, I really like the first one a lot. I think it's the best Batman movie, and then the, the Dark Knight is the best Joker movie with a terrible Batman, mm-hmm. um, but an incredible Joker. And then that third one, there's like three things I could like go back and watch Dark Knight Rises and go, I like that. If you just <laughs> cut all of the Catwoman stuff, I would watch that. I think she's great. Oh, I thought you were saying cut it out. No, I was cut, like, why would you do that? Just no, just just yeah. that. I yes. would just watch her. Yeah, if I could watch a movie with her and like Tom Hardy, not even as Bane, just like Tom Hardy <laughs> hanging out. I'm like, yeah, the thing is like. Uh, we don't need to. No, yeah, right. wrong. Yeah, wrong movie. This so is we're gonna do a sixty-second plot dump for the Dark Knight no. Rises. Amy, <laughs> you don't remember it, so let's go. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what would? You, how? What is your rating system? My rating system is the Netflix original Christmas movies <laughs> rating system. So for this movie, I had to go off the beaten path a little bit, and I chose. <laughs> I chose. The crackling U-log fireplace video. <laughs> it is a 60-minute 
video of a burning fire. <laughs> I have watched that. Yeah. It's it's not, however, the fireplace 4K. This is not the 4K oh. version. This is the older version. That's really appropriate because you can't rent. There is no HD. Nope, just SD. It's just yeah. SD. And I watched it going, oh, no. Mm -hmm. So I made sure it wasn't the 4K one. Good job. You're Good welcome. Job. Um, yeah, so I feel like it's just, you know... You can glance up every once in a while, and like Tuna said, there's always something to look at on the screen. Um, but it's not the most exciting. <laughs> Although I will say, like the fire is is a lot more calming than I think that this movie is. But, oh yeah, that's a good point. But I just think in general, it, in terms of Netflix original content, it's the closest <laughs> I could come, <laughs> come up with. That's fair. That seems fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> yeah. Tuna, you have yeah. a rating system that is food-based. It is. It's what food does this remind me of? <laughs> I and am fascinated. That's. I feel like I got a, a good flaming one here. yule log. <laughs> you have to try and <laughs> scarf down. Yeah. No, it's spam. Ooh. Because regardless of the original intent, I cannot <laughs> think of it without like the whole time just thinking about Monty Python. Like cannot help it. Mm -hmm. And also, I imagine that when people are licking Sean Connery sweat, it's about as salty as spam is. <laughs> so we're very salty. Yeah, the animals, aren't we? we? Are yum. Well, anyway, let's move on to our final segment, which is Real Good, um, where we recommend something to watch instead of or in addition to this movie. Um, I'm going to I've kind of done two already, which is Deliverance and Serenity. So I'm going to recommend a movie that's kind of like this one, but I think actually works well. And that is the original Wicker Man. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's got uh, Christopher Lee in it. It's a really good mystery horror movie. Don't watch the one with Nick Cage unless you want to watch an, 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 an almost intentionally bad movie. With the bees. Oh, the bees. The bees, the bees are, are my eyes. Um, <laughs> and weirdly misogynistic. Like the, the other one has some undercurrent of that. But it's all, really it's just about how this utopian society seems weird that this cop goes to and then you find out it's not only weird it is like super violent like it is an incredibly interesting movie so uh yeah i'll say check out wicker man matt what's your real good uh my real good is something i am not going to spoil because <laughs> it's very worth going into and not knowing much but it has uh, elements that i said i would like to see in this movie and that is the TV series, The Good Place. <gasps> oh, okay. So go watch The Good Place. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler, Kristen Bell's in it. Yeah. Whoa, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> spoiler, double spoiler, Ted Danson is also Oh, oh it's all ruined. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, don't don't bother watching it now. You've heard <laughs> all you need to know. <laughs> Ta -da. Amy, what's your real good? I had a really hard time with this. I couldn't think of anything. And I was talking to Ben about the movie, uh, my, my boyfriend, and um, he was saying that it reminded him of Rick and Morty because there's a couple of episodes. There's an episode with a giant stone head. There's an episode <laughs> with like a weird dystopian planet of like of all women. And I was like, yeah, I mean, Rick and Morty's fun. Go watch Rick and Morty. But what I came up with is just go outside or like call your mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to hear about this great movie I just watched. <laughs> like just, yeah, just go outside or like call a friend. Like just. It's currently July. Yeah. It's nice <laughs> it's out nice. there. just. Just step away and just <laughs> that was how I felt after. You don't need to consume more content necessarily. Yeah. There's just, a lot of great stuff, but I just was like, I just need to go outside or like, you know, 
have a nice phone call. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Tuna? Yeah. So Can mine... you beat the outside? <laughs> uh, this mean, is now a competition. Maybe. This is a movie that I watched outside. Ooh, oh, counts. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. You guys might hate it now that I've learned how you feel about Zardoz. But it's called The Committee. It's from 1968. Sounds really it's familiar. directed by Peter Sykes. It's this weird, it's like a, a weird art house kind of film. Um, but it's like very slow, lots of talking, more than like action-y kind of stuff going on. Um, and, oh, and there's a big chunk of the soundtrack is by a band called The Pink Floyd because it was early enough in their career that they still had the the. Mm. But it's not like... And they met the guy from the Facebook movie and he said, <laughs> drop it. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but it's not like... it's uh, AKA more... Justin Timberlake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's their earlier, like, sort of jazzy, weird, like almost like yeah. a Birdman kind of soundtrack kind of feel. Not as, yeah. like, intense as that, but like that sort of weird era but like it's just a weird movie this sort of like this kind of idea with this weird society kind of thing in this meeting and the opening scene is like just to give you a taste of what it's like it's only an hour long too which is nice because then you're not sitting around forever but the opening scene is these two guys driving and their car breaks down and they get out and one of them starts looking under the hood and the other guy just decides while they're in the middle of talking to slam the car hood down on him and does it multiple times until he decapitates the guy and then sews his head back on. And then the guy who the decapitated guy, once his head's sewn back on, gets back up and they get back in the car and drive away. All sounds like a this conversation, like a weird Cronenberg. Yeah, it's sort of like thing. it's bizarre. I really enjoyed it. It's got this weird like, I don't know. It's it's weird. If you like how weird this movie is, I feel like the committee sounds weird. Yeah, it's definitely. But it's yeah, it's definitely not an action movie. OK. So, All right. Well, there you yeah, go. I really enjoy it. Well, thank you guys for joining me for this weird, boring movie. <laughs> um, I'm, Tuna, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, me um, too. Amy and Matt, I'm sorry. Um, and me. Apology not accepted. And me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, thank you. This was fun. Um, and uh, Tuna, where can people find you? I am all over the internet uh, at Tuna Loons. And I've also got a band called Soviet Fourth Grader. You can find them at SovietFourthGrader.com. And Another I work on band. SciShow. Oh, yeah. I've got. <laughs> I've got all sorts of bands. It's prolific. A yeah. band that I went and saw live. Oh, yes. A Fall of Four Horsemen. That's, uh, we don't have a website or anything for that, but. You're local. Yeah, mm. we're local. If you're in Missoula, maybe we'll play again. Come see. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. I, I was uh, I was amazed at how much your lead singer really committed to the bit. It was really a lot mm. of fun. Oh, he's very good at that. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was, his Count Chocula thing was great. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Amy, where can people find you? Nowhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> try and find me. I dare you. Um, I forgot my Instagram again. So, <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's uh, yeah. Something it took about me the a second, right? It's, yeah, I need to change it. Potus. Yeah, something about not the Potus or not yet the Potus, but I want to change. I think it. that's it. Yeah, I want to change it because I it it was. I don't remember you had big why. Aspirations. No, <laughs> I never wanted to be a politician. I I don't know where it came from. It was just like a joke, and then like politics got real weird and scary and bad, and so now I 
want to not uh, have it be that. This is like before. Right. Yeah. Because you just recently followed me on Instagram and yeah. I was like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I do know. But I need to change yeah. it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Good luck. SciShow. That's I work true. on yes. SciShow. Oh, yeah. You guys just released a, a, a long form documentary. 36 oh, yeah. minute documentary. Which is great. the music, which was awesome. Um, I didn't really do that much, but Hiroka <laughs> and Alexis worked really hard on it. So Heroka put in some hours. Oh, yeah. Very, very cool. I'm so proud of her. It's, yeah. yeah. I just also, remember I get here early most of the time and she was always here before me. It was one of those <laughs> those times where I would get here and Heroka was already here. I would leave and Heroka was still here. I would come in on the weekend and Heroka was here. I'm mm-hmm. like, have you left? Mm-hmm. Heroka, are <laughs> well, you yeah. okay? Yeah. I was doing real long days and she was here even longer than me. I was yeah. like, oh, I don't know how you're doing this. Yeah, But, <laughs> but she's, she's done now. Made it out the yep. other side. Yeah. Good, check it out. It's called, was the Apollo program a bad idea? Yeah, yeah. it's really good. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Matt, you have a brand new podcast. Nope. Yes. <laughs> yes. For in my brain, you were gonna say channel like YouTube stuff, <laughs> but then I forgot I do a lot of things. And yes, I do have a new podcast. You do. Oh, I do so many weird things, guys. Stop me, yes. please. No. Help. I um, love it because Sari uh, and I specifically were like, you know what? I think we're too busy to do another podcast. And then she started another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I always say I'm too busy to do anything, and then I keep adding to that list. <laughs> So yeah, I got like four podcasts, essentially, guys. Uh, You can follow Cooler Than Homework, which is the new podcast that I do with Nicole Sweeney, friend of the pod here, and Sari Riley. Also friend of the pod. Yes, and Marianne, who has not been on the pod. She's not been on. We can't. Doing remote podcasting for this with four people is, I have not, my brain can't figure it out. That's fair. Um, But we do our podcast entirely remotely. Um, And it's all about Disney Channel original movies. We're going to watch them all. And so far, we've recorded two, uploaded one. They're going to be bi-weekly right now. And I'm so excited for this podcast. It's, it's very fun. Uh, it's not just like movie review. We basically, for half the episode, talk about the movie. And the other half, we take like a concept related to the movie and discuss it. So mm. our first episode is Under Wraps, which is about a mummy. And the second half of the episode, we talk about what we are scared of as children. Oh. And then the next episode that comes out is about You Lucky Dog which is about uh, a, a guy who is can like psychically link with dogs and talk to them. And so we talked about what superpower we'd want to have as a kid. So it's a nice. fun like nostalgia trip because of the movies, but also we get to talk about ourselves when we were kids, and Sari has not seen a single one of these movies. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the podcast. And so the end of every episode... We tell Sari the title of the next movie, and she tries to guess what it's going to be about. (laughs) And it's so good. I love it. I love it. So far, her two predictions have been very, very far off and very funny. Um, But that's one of my podcasts. I occasionally do a podcast called I Love It, which you can find at iloveitpodcast.com. I also occasionally do another podcast called Matt and Maddie that you can find on iTunes. You're back, baby. Yeah, kind of. And then my fourth podcast is this one that you're currently listening to. Whoa, meta. Um, And then check out Journey to the Microcosmos on YouTube, which is the newest YouTube channel. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's real good. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. So it's just my nice Monday morning meditation. Since I only left one thing out, also watch Animal Wonders, which I also produce. (laughs) Good point. Yeah, I realized I was like, I listed everything but one thing that I do. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, uh, we are in the final countdown. 
What was I going to say? Oh, we're yeah. <laughs> I got carried away, Same. you guys. Same. Um, we're in the final countdown, so <laughs> this. this <laughs> <laughs> oh, now Matt's turned the tables. <laughs> I love it. I'm so happy. Uh, we got nine episodes left. Uh, I think this was the ninth, so eight episodes after this. Um, and no, that's not right. Yeah. Whatever. We've got a few episodes left till we get to episode 100. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to have a vote going up pretty soon for what we should cover uh, for the last week of July. And uh, we're going to have one episode, I know, where we're going to talk about four movies in one episode. Which... And for those that don't know, oh, Nick damn. is leaving out the context that the 100th episode is the last yes. episode. Uh, if you didn't hear in the last episode, the, the, the 100th episode will be the final episode of Real Bad. <laughs> Um, basically i uh i've really enjoyed doing this but i want to do some other creative work and uh, this eats up my friday afternoon and a lot of my saturday and those are kind of my prime targets to actually be doing some other creative work so yeah that's why it's happening a real big thanks to Black Duck Studios T, Michael Martin, I Love It Podcast, Candace, Sarah Caroline, and Anna Moss for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you so much. Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go to cageclub.me and check out podcasts like Foodie Films with Kyle Reinfried, where he talks about food and film. Nom, 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 nom. Next week, I'm going to try to get a team assembled for a legendary martial arts train wreck. But until then, this has been Real Bad. Real Bad.